Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we have way too much energy for what we dealt with yesterday uh, on Saturday. It hurts. Yeah, you were at the game itself. How was it? Uh, honestly, so one of my friends from grad school went, and he, he went to Michigan undergrad, and he was like, man... This is sad. This is the biggest rivalry game of the year, and this is how many people showed up for this. And he was right. It was the stadium was not that full, even on for the uh, Southern Cal fans. There really weren't that that many of them. Um, the UCLA section actually was fairly full. They we showed up, which was kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it was a little. A little, uh, a little empty. You know, I I hate the comparison of, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio no, State yeah. rivalry versus right. a UCLA USC on down years. I mean, I guess USC still ranked, but they're not where they usually are, and they're in the midst of uh, firing their coach or possibly. I mean, I don't know. Maybe extending after yesterday, but like. <laughs> Hopefully. I, I just think it has to be taken in context, like strong context. And I don't mean this just for your friend, but like our rivalry games have not had the umph that they've had even in the early 2000, you know, 2010 because of what the programs, the programs have just been in flux. And so many fans have purposely with an effort have decided not to show up and decide just to watch from home. So we've had a lot of couch watchers. That's, that's fair, but I mean, even not to so, say I think I LA think... fans are the worst, but you know, right. and, and in regards to just attending and showing up, but I just think in this case, like I wasn't expecting many people, even SC fans to show up for this one. So I wasn't surprised by a crowd size. I was, uh, it was, I actually did see a bit blue just sprinkled throughout from the, you know, from my 3,000 miles away on TV. There was a bunch of blue sprinkled throughout, um, and then the, like I said, the UCLA section was basically two-thirds full. Is that um, where you were sitting? Uh, we moved around a little bit. I did, I, we sat there in the first half, kind of in the UCLA section, um, then we moved to our actual seats, which were kind of on the other side of the stadium, and... Um, it was a surprise. No one really heckled or harassed us. Uh, most people were fairly friendly. Well, that's uh, last time. I, last change. time we, huh? I said that's a change. Maybe they just you know they've been neutered since. They, yeah, I, they're ready for. They don't really care for the outcome of the game as long as Helton's gone. I don't know what the. Yeah, I was expecting to get some flack, and it, we didn't really. Um, like last time I went to the Coliseum for a game was I think in twenty thirteen when we won, um, and that we definitely got a lot of flack that game. Um, I I mean even the fifty O lashing that we got that was the last time I went to the, the Coliseum for that game. Right. And I mean, the crowd was anything but sedated. I mean, given that they're up fifty and zero, but you know, it, I just remember being harassed as a student, and it was fun. I mean, I wasn't harassed to a point. Harassed is probably a poor choice of word, but it was in the sense of just very, you know, classic, crosstown banter that we had. Right. And Which is expected, and that's fine. Um, Twenty thirteen people were getting a little nasty. Um, which was not fun, but 
you know, whatever. But yeah, there was nothing. No one really said anything at all, which was unexpected. Um, but yeah, I mean, the crowd was was you know lackluster. The that stadium sucks, even with the renovations. I know um, it's such an idiotic design. It's not great. So they knocked out about what five hundred to a thousand seats to to actually see the the field because of obstruction. Yeah, on the side of the of the box, the press box. Yep, it's it's a stupid design. The UCLA section was right next to the section, so you could like tell if you were sitting in there, you could not see any of the field. I kind of wanted to go up there and sit for a second, but I was too lazy to do it. Yeah, it's probably the best seats in the house for depending on <laughs> how the game's going. Yeah, seriously. Um all right. So, and then I, I guess yeah, I guess it speaks to I guess I'm thinking of a theory now. I know we're we're spending a lot of time on the fans and the game game day atmosphere, but maybe the people who showed up were just, you know, the really I know we don't want to say this, but the really loyal Trojans who you know, are pretty realistic about the team, but still going to show up compared to the wild, you know, bandwagoners who come up and they just, they get, you know, they feel invincible when the team's, uh, seems to be rolling. And those are the ones who are just the hooligans. Uh, yeah, I don't it's know if possible. It's th- I don't, I, yeah, it's hard to say just, you know, being there, but I, there was probably definitely some bandwagoners who never, gone to school that are set foot on campus except for for games which is fine but it's a matter of just uh, we know what kind of la fan that is uh like uh, all disclaimer like if you didn't go to ucla usc and you root for them we i encourage it i want more ucla fans who are an alumni who are like friends or family or just you know fans of the team right um but in the sense of there's that la fan that we all know that tends to root for whoever's winning at the time. And so, and they right, st- all the Clippers <laughs> fans and the Clippers got good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're switching jerseys. Um, all right, cool. So let's talk about the game. Um, do we have to? Uh, I know. I, I wanted to do this on Sunday so we can get over quick. Just Fair get enough. out our feelings and move on. Um, I mean, the first quarter, like... It was it was an interesting first quarter, which I think kind of set the tone for how the game was gonna go. And what I mean by that is like, even when we you know we we drove up and we scored, I was thinking I'm like, yes, that was great tempo. Like the the pass to Demetric Felton was great. You know it seemed like we were rolling, but we all I'm sure I don't know about you, but I had the feeling I'm like. Uh, well, let's see what happens. Let's see if we can keep this consistent. Let's see if we can keep this play calling. Let's see if our players are not going to get ahead of themselves. Now they're just only up a score. We've seen this. We've seen this in rivalry games. USC went up seven uh, against us in 2014, and they're the first one to score. I think they got like a turnover. I think it was a pick six against Huntley, and guess what? We blew them out after that. So, you know, we've seen this in games um and just going up seven isn't enough. But I knew this was a young team, and I was... Going up seven, but also UCLA has done this so many times where they look great on their first drive yeah. this year. That's been our thing. It's been our M.O., and, and we just failed to adjust. So, and then following that, we got a lucky, you know, I mean, SC came finally, you know, I think they got we got to stop. 
and uh, and then then we had a like not a three and out, but we got a first down, and then eventually we had to kick it, and then they fumbled it, right? Uh, yep. Amon Ra had you know the sun in his eyes, and it just hit it hit his it hit his gut. And luckily, I mean, I thought that was that was one of my favorite plays, seeing the long snapper Johnny. Uh, just first of all, he tried to tackle Amon Ra, or he tried to he tried to block. He came in and then he jumped on the ball perfectly. Oh no, he he tried to tackle Amon Ra, and then Elijah Griffin tried to pick it up. Obviously, such a dumb freshman or sophomore because I forget he's a sophomore yeah. uh, move. He tries to pick it up instead of falling on it. And it just goes back to speaking about Helton's coaching. Like, that's just one-on-one. If it's a punt, don't try to pick it up and be a right. hero. And that's just that's indicative of the attitude at SC. But, and our guy just jumps on it, does the right thing. So that was great to see. Unfortunately, we botched that uh, drive when um, DTR just happened to, to miss the receiver. He went for the wrong receiver that was open. Um, and, it, you know, Isaac... Taylor Stewart just picked it off, and that's where we just felt everything stall. Um, and at that point, it was, it was a 7-7. bad throw. It was a just very a bad, bad decision. Yeah, it was an errant throw, and it, you know. Uh, but I don't know how you know how good your seats were, but I was just watching from TV. It was, it, it was that sense of like, eventually, uh, SC is going to get it rolling, and they did. The offense got it rolling. Um, and that's what happened. I mean, these fucking numbers I'm looking at, and excuse my language, you know. Uh, I'm usually not the one to curse on this, but... Uh, this is my draw. This is my job. <laughs> but I'm just... I, the guys I told you, I, we did, when we were uh, worried about this game, we were worried that Amon Ra, Michael Pittman, would be the two to get their numbers, right? But Tyler Vaughn's. Drake London, freshman Drake London. They all got all, their numbers, man. Drake London had the most, he had the highest uh, rece- receptions and yards. Well, not receptions, but yards, you know, and, and Pittman had uh, the highest receptions, which he had, like, the story, the bookend storytelling uh, goodbye game uh, against a rival. And so it's just, it's outstanding. I can't even, I haven't looked at the stats of when's the last time four USC receivers had over 100 yards in the same game, but it's it's a fireable offense. And it's not against your rival, any well, other Slovis school. set their, their QB record for single uh, passing yards in the 508, game. yeah. Like, a f- true freshman. Like your third string true freshman. Yeah. And excuse me, five hundred and five hundred and fifteen yards. But regardless, yeah, it's he sliced and diced our defense. There was one play, I it was a third down, and it was like third and four, and Slovis well, first of all, we had our linebacker off of like fifteen it felt like fifteen yards it wasn't fifteen yards, it was ten yards off of Drake London. And it was so clear that he was going to go to Drake London. And I'm like, what the hell? Drake London. And he literally sat there and caught the ball and was like, how am I this open? Like, he looked, you could see his body language was like, how am I this open for a play that could have shifted the momentum in a game? Um, I I was sitting there with um, one of my friends that came with me. He's Irish. Um, And so he, I was just like, 
I was so mad. And every time there was a, when we were on defense, I would sit there and be like, hey, look. Look at how our defense is lined up against the receiver. You see this guy right here? <clears throat> He's lined up 10 yards off of the receiver. USC is going to throw straight to that guy, and they're going to get 10 to 15 yards every single time. Without fail, they just did that same thing, and it was just like the most infuriating thing. Like, I feel like we've said this so many times this year. Like, we don't get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to recognize this, yet I can sit there and recognize it. The guy who is getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to recognize and stop that isn't doing it. And it's pathetic. And he needs to be removed. Yeah. That, that is just consensus amongst the fan base. He needs yeah, to Yeah, Azanaro is a terrible DC. We, we know this now. Like, yeah. definitively. And when he was hired, people were lukewarm on the idea of hiring, too. And it, he's played his part. He's had his time way more than he should have. But uh, we know how Kelly, you know, he, he tends to look out for his guys. So he needs to quietly put him away, and he needs to hire one of the best defensive coordinators, up-and-coming coordinators, from another program because the boosters have put their money. They need to put their money where their mouth is. It's just... The numbers uh, this year are outstanding in the sense of how many yards we have given up. I mean, it has to be. It's definitely a UCLA record. It's over 300. Um, I believe it's over 390. It's like almost 400 per game. Yeah, almost 400 per game. Uh, Washington had over 700. I know that was like a freak game. And... Uh, I, I I guess that's another thing. I'm going to go on a t- tangent here, but it's amazing how we played Washington and we seem to still bring... Washington State. Washington State, sorry. Um, Washington State, we played Wazoo and and we, we gave up 700 yards to them, over 700, and we decided that we were going to give up... <laughs> you know, we were going to play the same scheme against Washington State that we against SC who has a similar offense. It's like we didn't even look at the tape from Washington State. And granted, Washington State put up I mean again in a free game. That was a video game game. It was a video game game, but it was like how did you not look at the film of this game and and decide, okay, Graham Harold may have the similar concepts. How do we adjust? There was there's been no adjustments. Outside of okay, yeah, we played a Jack West, um, Stanford. Now we can actually blitz, and you know, and they had un- under two hundred yards of offense. And then somehow the team decided to get bold and use that same scheme against uh, Arizona State, and it worked um, against uh, Jaden Daniels on the road, who was absolutely electric last night. And that's another conversation. But and then Colorado, who came in kind of limping in and. Uh, and on the road again, and we started to have some hope that maybe a scheme, but again, Utah was that buzzsaw that just kind of hit us, and we seemed just to lose our bearings and go back, revert and regress back to the team we were earlier this season. Um, it's still it's, inexplicable, though, because against Utah, we really didn't use those schemes either, which, you know, I'm not saying we would have won because of those schemes, but... We might have had a better chance to, and it was just, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to to abandon those. And even last night, again, like you were saying, we didn't use that again, and it was so evident because 
Slovis had literally like minutes at a time to stand there in the pocket and let the receivers run downfield wide open for 50 yards and just toss him the ball. It was like playing catch up there in practice. And let me tell you, I, I don't think you saw this from the stands, but the body language of the DBs when these players were catching it, like the little short routes and the sh- off-shoulder pass to just run out of bounds, which would get SC a first down, like they threw up their arm. They're just like they shrugged because it was like I'm not even – like they understand. They're not even putting positions to tackle these guys. And, and they're just like, what are we calling? You know, like the players are showing – that they are not approving, that they're not signing off on as a narrow scheme, and they 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 hate like I'm I'm I, I find it hard pressed to believe that our DBs are as bad as they are. I mean, yeah, we had some pretty bad missed tackles and whatnot, but it's deflating as a young, uh, eighteen to to twenty two year old to know that just like you're in the wrong places. And you got to, you know, put in extra energy and effort to make up that space because your coach tells you you need to play 15 yards off. And this player right here is just going to do a short flat. And it's it's so and then next thing you know, you're going to try to make up that yards. And and you're so eager because you already know that they caught it and you missed the tackle. It's like they're not even in a place to succeed. And that's been the issue for many more of the games than it hasn't this season right Um, from a from a schematic standpoint and from just a technique standpoint like you you mentioned not making open field tackles that's that's a that's on coaching too like we clearly have not taught our linebackers and and dbs how to tackle properly there are so many bad missed tackles on the on the defensive side last night it's it was a joke yeah um, like, it, 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 and that's the worst part. That game was very winnable up through even going into the third quarter when we were sort of coming back. Had we gotten one stop? Yeah, we were down by 10. Right. We would have, you know, I'm not saying we would have won, but we would have been a lot closer. Yeah, and then the first play of the, the, the fourth quarter is literally a bomb to Tyler Vaughn's. And, right. And it's like Elijah Gates gets beat. All right, great. Like, where is the safety? And, I mean, Elijah Gates has been getting beat all game. Why don't you put Rashad Williams on him? Like, it's just there's been no adjustments. Anyways, I, I, I do want to shout out Chris Barnes because he had himself a hell of a first half. He did get hurt, and he came back in. Um, but he I, – I was very happy with him, especially, you know, he started out with that sack, the tackle for loss. Like he, and then he ended up uh, finishing with nine total tackles, four solo. And yeah, I was really well. happy. He played really well. Darnay Holmes, I like, part of me, I think there was a combination of things. He just seemed out of it. Um, it, it there was that one play for that uh, that Pittman got his, his first touchdown where uh, they ran him, they run like a decoy. Or it was it was a fake, and then Darnay Holmes was following him, and then he fakes back, and Darnay was not even paying attention. Like, he just thought that he was clearly going to cross across the lineman. And by that time, Pittman was, he was all, uh, we already saw it. It was like, it's going to It Pittman. was so obvious. It was so obvious. And by that time, I don't know which player it was, but didn't adjust to cover Pittman, and because he was just watching Slovis, like, just, just had feet in the mud. 
And I was just like, oh, great. And Darnay was nowhere nearby. It was just an easy, you know, two-yard pass. It, I, I, mean, I remember it, exactly what play you're talking about. I was the in the end zone we were sitting by. And, yeah, as soon as he motioned, I was like, they're going to throw to him. And yeah. no, especially when nobody picked him up. And it, it was just like the easiest touchdown you could possibly have. Yeah. Darnay got bullied. Um it it was it was frustrating to see. Uh, I mean, the guy. I would say like I don't I don't even know if he's gonna enter the draft. I would still say it's a sixty percent chance, but it was it was like ninety percent before the season started. But his draft draft stock has fallen from second, third round, late late second, third round to now. I mean, I don't know where he's gonna get drafted, six or un undrafted to undrafted like. That's how bad our scheme's been, and we all know that Darnay is a better talent than what we've seen this season. Um, it was frustrating, but off the defense, the uh, the offense, you know, it had its struggles, but uh, it picked it up. And I again, I don't know how you feel about this, Zed, and but I always feel like we always play better when we're down and in terms of the offense. And part of me only believes so. Because the other team is letting up, and they're they already have a lead, and they're feeling good. So we start to chip away. Things start to feel a little bit better, you know. And that's my yeah, feeling on I it. Don't and know. then and we get into rhythm off of those few mistakes that these young guys on the other side. And then next thing you know, we're able to get some confidence and execute plays that we should have been executing earlier. I think that's a factor in it, not the major thing, but it helps us get into rhythm. And I mean, DTR was a warrior last night or yesterday. Which DTR was... played well for the most part. He did miss a couple of throws, even in like I think it was the third or fourth quarter. Um, there were a couple of throws missed, and then there were some execution issues just with the receivers. The biggest one I remember is I think we were. It was in the, at late third or fourth quarter, and he threw that ball to Jordan Wilson. That would have been a touchdown, and it was just dropped. Yeah, and Wilson that was a stumbled on his, He stumbled on his feet. Yeah, that was a complete backbreaker. I thought, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. He he played well for the most part. He he came out there. Um, but I, it's that one thing where DTR always for these big games he gets amped he, up. He gets into his own head. He has a talent. I don't. I'm I'm a DTR supporter and I really want him to do well, but he only knows how to quarterback when he settles down and it always seems to be he needs to make a few mistakes to tell him like I've already made my mistakes. He's always chasing this kind of like I want this perfect game. He's not going to get it the way he plays cuz he's which amped is, up for the Which is a major moments. issue for a QB. If you can't take the pressure, like you're never going to be a good quarterback. Yeah, and the guy hasn't had much experience being a quarterback, so I put it to that. I think uh, he puts a lot of pressure on himself coming from such a, a football factory, uh, being highly rated, number two, you know, dual threat in the country, you know, playing with Justin Fields and Justin Hurts on the, you know, off-season cycles. Like, he's, I think he's just frustrated because he feels overlooked, and it's like, yeah, that's cool to have that chip on your shoulder, but don't feel entitled that your praise needs to come right now, right? And because you're a really good kid, and <laughs> like you're really talented, 
Like, you come from a really good family, and I mean that in the sense of, like, your parents are very supportive of, of you. And, like, in, in terms of your choice of going to UCLA, or so we think so. And, um, you know, and everything's in place for you. Like, you have to settle down, and we've seen that you play at your best when you settle down. That's my biggest thing. Like, it really seems like it's mental to, for him at the beginning of the games, whether it's the turnover of an interception, an errant throw, or just the phantom fumbles that he has. And it, it, but we see, like, then all of a sudden, you know, he gets one and he keeps going. And even when he gets hurt, like, he taped both of his ankles and he was never going to come out, you know, and he's in pain leaning over and he stays in. We all know he's going to stay in. And that's the kind of heart that we want in a QB. Right. You know, but it's just like the mental things. I mean, and I'm going to say, especially even as, you know, as a black QB, he's going to be on like scrutinized even more for not going through his progressions. And he can't let that pressure get to him, you know, because it's like that's the thing about, you know, black QBs is like, oh, they're very athletic, but can they run through their progressions? And and DTR is smart enough to go through his progressions once he goes through them, but he tends to just get in his head in a moment and just try to force things. And his reasoning, like, he, the people are going to blame it on the fact that, oh, he, he, you know, he's more athletic for a wide receiver and all these things that are tied to racial things. It's not necessarily the case in his case. It's just the fact that he hasn't QB for a long time and he seems to just want to win right away, you know, and and you can feel it. He wants, you know, to blow out teams the way Justin Fields does. And DTR, you didn't go to an Ohio State like you or, who you know, like you're playing at UCLA. You have to be part of the process. It's a slow burn um, as a team figures out. It's a young team is not there wasn't much depth. And so. I think with that, like that has he needs to recognize the situation, not be in his head, and he'll be fine. I think like he's shown moment of brilliance, you know, this season, even more so than last season, as obviously he played more games, but like we've also seen just boneheaded plays that lots of QBs make, but just ones that we don't expect from DTR because we all know he can be great. And I think at the end of this game we felt like, okay much more confident that DTR can be like a better QB if he just polishes up and just continues to work in the off season on his like on his uh, on his mistakes and be like okay in this moment I have an instinct to throw off my back foot I shouldn't right <laughs> you know just that simple stop and work on that uh and he'll be fine he yeah I agree he he's I mean, he's done a better job in making those decisions this season as a whole. I think he can, you know, like you mentioned, still be a lot better. But you're totally right. I think it feels like when the the big lights go on, he is he puts a lot of pressure on himself. He, there's there's no sense of him relaxing, right? When the when the big game comes up, and so he just tries to tries too hard. And with that come mistakes. He just over misses throws and throws bad, poor passes and and doesn't make the right decision when to run, etc. Fumbles the ball, just like there's these little things he still needs to clean up to kind of get to that next level. Um, I don't think anybody can question his heart anymore, um, especially after getting beat up last night and just... Keeping, Washington State game. Washington State, like, you know, he 
he he has the desire there. I don't think there's a, a sense that he isn't, you know, willing to put in the work or put in, you know, what he needs to do to get better and become that quarterback. I think it's just, you know, a lot of it's a mental thing in his own head because he has the ability to do it. He just needs to get out of his own head and, and kind of put it all together. Um, I So, yeah, it's it's hard to, hard to put it on him in any way or form. Um, yeah, the, the, the offense, I mean, in general, I think I, like you said, played pretty well. Uh, the receivers were fine for the most part, you know, Josh Kelly, I don't remember what his final stat line was, but. Well, he didn't get many carries, but also, I mean, they rendered him pretty useless for the most part. And I, I think, I don't think that was on him. Uh, when he got space, he was able to break away. His longest run being eleven, but like, yeah, right. He they they schemed against him, and that's that's what, frankly, any team should do when we're playing playing us is keep keep the the running game at at bay and and make sure that see if our QBs can beat them, um, which is frustrating because that's sort of like they they went after our biggest strength, and that's what a good DC should do. Meanwhile, our DC like didn't even bother to try to scheme against their biggest strength. And so what happened is their biggest strength destroyed us. And so, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't put the blame on, on the offense. I really do put the blame mostly on the defensive side and not on the players necessarily. It's, it's mostly on the coaching. Um, and I've been on the record for now, most of the season saying Asanaro needs to get fired. Yeah, and I mean, I can't match Zed's passion on Twitter, but uh, I, I've wholeheartedly agreed with him. Um, I understood why they didn't fire him midseason, but I was like, okay, at least give the, the play-calling duties to someone else and then just, you know, let him go away quietly, slide him out the back door and just say, hey, we just hired a new DC. Don't even talk about it as an hero. <laughs> oh, It'll man. be... Yeah, it's going to be very indicative of kind of the whole Chip Kelly era of, um, if he does not fire him after the end of the season. Like, if he is still retained, I am pretty confident and I'm convinced in saying that Chip Kelly has just sort of mailed it in and we're not going to, you know, win anything because this guy is clearly not the person to be leading a defense at this level. Um, I think it's clear, to me at least, and I disagree with me if you don't believe this as well, but I do think Chip Kelly himself has shown that he can still coach just based on how our offense has looked again this year. The question, though, is, is like, can he actually put together a coaching staff and can he actually run a program? Because I think those are two different things. He can coach the X's and O side of the of the um, job and do that very well but at the same time he needs to also be able to put together a, a successful coaching staff put together a good recruiting um, strategy you know make sure he's he's keeping his guys accountable and you know hiring and firing when he needs to and so that side of the job it still remains to be seen if chip is you know uh, has his head on in that game. 
So I think the Azanaro decision will be very telling of whether he he does or not. Yeah, for me at I, least. He's at the crossroads of where, you know, his UCLA ten, tenure is going to go because uh again, uh, we we're talking about, you know, changes after a big rivalry game and I know we have a game coming up with Cal, but this felt like the end of the season just how the things went. And that's indicative of other scheduling and stuff. But Chip needs to start making changes now. Um, the Cal game, so wash whether we go five and seven, four and eight doesn't really matter. And and I think personally, it's a good time to see, you know, even uh, someone else on the defense call plays and see what happens. Let Paul Rhodes, you know, I've been a fan of him uh, in general, but and I haven't put the the scheme to him. Um, I just I, I find it hard to believe that he's also satisfied with this and given his record with Iowa State and uh other schools such as Arkansas. But I I think it's like it's time to make a change like this week. I expect, you know, by Tuesday or Monday for you know, a change. Screw that to be, man, we should have left that dude at the Coliseum. He should have yeah, already been he fired. He should have just drove opinion. drove home to wherever he, he lives. He probably lives like Actually, I don't want to offend anybody who's in our base, our fan base, but he probably lives very far out uh, right. in, in, in buttfuck town. But, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> and to your point, you were saying uh, regarding Chip, I, it's interesting because Chip started out as a defensive coordinator, and it's just, it's I, I don't know how you sit there and you allow 12, 11 games to say, 11 games of this performance to happen on this that side of the ball and and understand it i mean chip yes he took over a program uh at oregon and this is his first rebuild of a college program and uh adjustments need to be made all around i mean yeah we had a big recruiting week but we still missed out on pretty key recruits uh for the past two years and lessons are to be learned on on Chip Kelly's, you know, his first couple of years. Uh, it is interesting to see, along with you know, if Azanero's going to be fired, what else, what other changes he makes. That's the biggest one. That's number one on the top of the. That's list. the most uh, obvious one, at least. Yeah, but he overall, like you said, he needs to see, like he can coach. He can, Chip can coach. Once his players, we've shown that he's kind of given a preview of his vision. And it's it's interesting, you you mentioned it, you tweeted this out, that he, he takes a lot from, you know, he's probably looking at the Ravens' offense and saying, like, this is a dream for him. And, uh, and you can see that he's trying to develop that. And it possibly could get there. When it gets there, it is going to be deadly um, if he finds his players. But in the meantime, it's never going to get there if we're continuously losing and the kids' morale is low because our defense is so trash, and um, for that I'm just I'm I am curious to see this off season is probably going to be most important off season, uh, given that we have a favorable out of conference schedule. I don't know Hawaii just won the Mountain West uh, West Division, and so they they might be a tough out on the road, but still. Still, we have you know we have a favorable schedule next year, uh, where most fans, even just because this is what we do as fans, are going to expect seven to eight wins, right? And if we we pulled out six wins, they would probably be saying nine, 
Um, but our expectations are going to be much higher than just reaching a bowl game this season. And it, it Chip has to make sure his team is prepared. Uh, these adjustments are made on his end because he's had coaches and defensive coordinators who have not adjusted at all during the game. And it's affected, it's put us in this rut. It's put us where we are right now. And our gas, like our car, right now we're on the road and we're sputtering. And we have to decide Look, right now, if we had just played competent defense, not even good defense, just competent, mediocre defense, we would be bowl eligible. That's what's frustrating to think about. San Diego State would have been a win. San Diego State would have been a win. Arizona probably would have been a win. Oregon State could have been a win. That would have had us... Uh, so we would have been seven and four after we've been seven and four at, after a loss to SC, right? With yep. a chance, with a chance to go eight and four uh, against Cal. Like those games were inexcusable. Those were the three games. And um, again, we'll do a season recap. But like, it, it's going to be us repeating what we, you know, our grievances throughout the season. Um, because just it's it's like any job performance is just not acceptable what Azanero's done. He needs to be fired and he needs to reassess how he is as a coach. And Chip needs to do him that favor as a friend. <laughs> like I, I don't I really don't care about him reassessing anything about himself. He can go fuck off somewhere else. I just don't want him. He can go to the mall and, and be Santa Claus, right? It's the season. Yeah, he can like, be a mall can, Santa Claus. He'd be perfect for that. Go to Americano, he can sit in front of a tree, and he can take a break and just think about the UCLA. I would like actually like to think of <laughs> Jerry Azanero fired at the end of November, applying for a position as, as Santa Claus somewhere in the Valley, and just sitting there thinking about the trash season that he coached. That would be a dream of mine. <laughs> just sitting there in the space, listening to kids tell them they want an iPhone 11. <laughs> uh, just That's just that. him and his thoughts. Yeah, that is a Bruins fan dream. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would go. I would go to that Santa Claus and tell him that I want a defense. That's what I would. <laughs> so All I lap. want for Christmas is a defense, Jerry. <laughs> Not delivered by you. <laughs> All I want is a real defensive coordinator. Mr. Claus. But um, other than that, yeah, our grievances about Jerry. Uh, Devin Asiasi, I, I've been, I, I, I don't know why I've taken to him, but I'm so happy to see that he's, he's done well this season. And I think, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I tweeted out that he's going to be returning next year, and I, I, I'm pretty sure he has one more year. Uh, given the transfer, um, but just I'm happy to see how he's done and he's performed. I'm glad to see that he's end up at UCLA because I know he really wanted to go to Michigan. He wanted to go to a big time program. He was one of those kids, and boss his best friend ended up going to UCLA and he followed him back after he realized Michigan wasn't, you know, the the bells and whistles that he expected. And so to see him do well, I I have to shout him out. Kyle Phillips, he has been electric this season, and I know we all like expected him to be kind of that slot guy, but he's delivered. Um, I love the fire that he has. I love Kyle Phillips. He's turned out to be one of my favorite receivers in a long time. 
um, small, gritty, and just and reliable. He's gonna and, be yeah. He's gonna be good next year too. I think he's gonna be even better. Yeah, and I didn't know this. I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I didn't know he was leading the team in yards and receptions. Uh, it it kind of makes sense, but um, what like, says? Do you know? Do you have his stats? Um, as of what, right now, well, during chance? the game, I, I it's probably around six hundred now after the game, but they showed it during the game. And I believe it was like five forty three. But he finished the game with 123 yards, you know, so I, I think they tacked that on. But, um, and I believe he has five TDs for a season. Uh, right, but, so he could be that 1,000-yard receiver for us next year, possibly. Yeah, he could. And so, we haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, I mean, our wide receiving core is very, it's, it's one of the best we've had in a long time in terms of just reliability. Um, enhance and it was uh, you you weren't listening uh, obviously because you're in the Coliseum but the, the commentators was like I don't think I've ever seen this many pass catching tight ends in a long time you know because you had Asiasi in there you had Jordan Wilson um, and you had I forgot who else called Dietrich Dietrich and um, but I mean it no, was just Dulcich it was just those two who caught the ball but it, it just felt like they're shuffling in Michael Martinez was, you know, doing a lot more blocking, but then he started. He got he got a couple. Fl- he got, I think he got a flag called on him, so they pulled him out. But he should be a weapon, whether he's, you know, on the offense, um, if he's not converted to offensive tackle. But I, I mean, our guys, we have so much youth. I mean, Casimir Allen was in space is just electric. We know this, and I was happy to see how shifty he was. Uh, he seems to be improving, and I'm excited to see. I think he's going to be our RB1 next year, and deservingly so. So I'm ex- I think he's going to have some great plays next year, but this game was a little preview of that. I, I can't, I can't um, confidently say that he will be, only because who knows what the hell they're doing half the time on the staff. So... The predictable thing I feel like never happens with the staff, so I, I hesitate to say that he would. He's going to be the clear cut RB one. I hope he is because he's very good and very talented and very fast. But well, I, going into this season, I thought Irby was going to take over, you know, for next year. But it seems that Allen's kind of jumped him over the past couple games, few games. Yeah, who it's, knows? My, we'll see. We'll see. That's another yeah. discussion for another day, though. True. But I, I, in, in this game, I was happy with the flashes I saw of Kazmir. Yeah, oh, he's, he's going to be a very good back if he's given the chance, I think. There was one play where DTR just threw it, and um, one of their defenders, uh, Paolo Mao, he knocked it down, right? And if that went to Kazmir, he would have probably had like another 30, 40-yard gain. It was just open space in front of him. And DTR like ran over. He tried to just check down or just throw it to him, and it didn't work. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm excited about our weapons, our, our skills players, and they, I think they deliver, they under pressure, um, on the offensive side. And yeah, they did. And, you know, we've seen, said this repeatedly, but offense was, was fine. I can't blame them. And it was definitely a lapse on the defensive side though. Um, DTR did tweet out an apology to Bruins. To the Bruin fans, I don't know if you saw that. I think it was last night. So, you know, 
we get them back. The, the I mean, Rose he was Bowl. visibly crying after he realized that they were going to lose on the sidelines. Uh, um, they showed a shot of him crying. I just, you know, I, I, I wasn't You feel for the kid because he played his heart out and yeah. got beat up the entire time. And, you know, and, and that's, that passion is good to see. Yeah, and he knows that he didn't play last year when we beat SC, so it doesn't really count on his record. He wants to beat SC. Like, he knows how important that is. And that's good to see, you know, as our quarterback leader, how important that is um, to him. Especially for someone who's not a native of SoCal. So, like, it was it was great to see how he felt about that. And, I, I mean, hopefully next year we'll get him. Yeah, yeah. I... Hopefully, we have a new DC next year. We will play conf- play better defense, um, and then couple that with their offense, and we, we will have a recipe for success. It just remains to be seen if we will do what it needs to be done to get, get to that point. Um, we'll see in the next week or so if Fazanaro is still here for the Cal game or if he's retained. Um, it's, there's, there's a lot of open questions and I think we'll hopefully get answers soon and it'll be very telling about the direction of this program in the next year or so. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I do respect DTR's, you know, passion and, and that's, that's as, as a Bruin fan and as someone who has also cried after losses, I fully admit to that. Did you cry um, last night? No, I was just too mad about it. You skipped the the tears. You just skipped went the tears. To anger. Went straight to anger. Um, skipped that middle step. But it is it is good to see that he cares enough to you know feel that kind of passion and show that emotion. And I am fully rooting for him to come back next year and and take him down. We'll be at home. Hopefully, we're we're rolling winning more games, we have a better crowd, and it sets up for, a, for another big game, and I think he'll have his opportunity to bring them down. Agreed. So that's uh, the SC game. Yeah. <coughs> that, is, that is the SC game. That was the SC game. Uh, moving on You've to just Bas- had a week of L's, honestly, for UCLA across the board. Yeah, I mean, going to, so basketball... Uh, gave up a stinker, put up a stinker against Hofstra. I did actually, I was asleep on the East Coast uh, because I had a big morning. Um, but I woke up and I was just like, all right, cool. Uh, we still lose these games, these type of games. What happened? I there? watched the replay. Um, you know, the the kind of story of that game was is there's a lot of players from the Alfred era still on the team, obviously. And a lot of them fell into some Alfred-esque habits. Um, that can I guess which one? You go for it. Uh, does he share the same name as Muhammad, a famous boxer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. Um, Classic. Yes, he does. But in general, I think the team took some bad shots on offense that were not in kind of the flow of, of the game forced some things and then the defensive effort I would say was there but the there were some a lot more lapses than usual um and I I can't imagine Mick Cronin was very happy about it I didn't watch any of the post-game pressers or anything but 
there needs to be some changes, I think, to, to make sure that those lapses don't, don't happen again. Um, and so I'm hoping he will make those changes. Again, progress is not always linear, so we, we're expecting some bumps in the road. Um, it's just a matter of how this team will respond to the, this loss, uh, if they will you know, go out of their way and, and make sure those, those mistakes don't happen again. Um, we'll see on Monday against BYU. Uh, but, you know, it's still a learning year. It's a rebuilding year. I think we're, you know, still looking at a team that's getting a system in place and a coach who's trying to instill that culture. And while a lot of it is setting in a lot, little bit quicker than we thought, which is very good, there are still going to be some issues and some of the old culture kind of, you know, and bad habits still poking out. And so it just going to be a war of attrition to root that out and make sure that it's the Cronin system and the Cronin culture that's instilled. And it's going to take time. So I think we're, we might see some of these things, but, you know, as, as long as they're getting better every game and, and respond to these things in a positive way, um, I think the overall trajectory of the program is still kind of on an upward swing but I think um, the biggest issue most of us have with this is that I mean in basketball these upsets happen early on in the season Kentucky was number one they just lost to Evansville one of the biggest upsets in a long time but in basketball that doesn't matter as much for those top teams they're still going to make the tournament uh Kentucky still may be a number one seed in the tournament they still have a chance to reach that right the only issue is UCLA is not that program right now where they can afford these type of losses if they want to make the tournament, and it just it hurts if we're in the bubble. Uh, exactly. So, so and hopefully we win enough games going forward. We're not on the bubble, but yeah. But now we just have to make sure we're not even close to the bubble, which is which our projection was going to be, given our place in the conference. So. It was like, if we can have a clean sweep of the teams that we're supposed to be in the out-of-conference, and then, you know, and then we lose, drop a few here in the conference against, you know, some pretty decent teams. You know, the Pac-12 conference, what, uh, two weeks ago had four ranked teams for the first time since, uh, it's been, I think, 2014. We did. Thursday night, though, was pretty bad for the conference in general. Besides our loss, there were a few other losses. Yeah, there's some bad losses. Cal got destroyed by Duke. Um, there was a few others that uh, missing. The Utah also? lost as well, and Washington State lost as well. Yeah, Arizona almost lost also out on their home court too. So, oh, that would have been. No, nah, I wouldn't. I don't know how I would have felt about that. I would have been happy. Cause yeah, <laughs> fuck Arizona. And so, but that's the biggest thing with this, and we just want to make sure that like, it when UCLA has a Hofstra loss, they need. A Notre Dame win. They need, uh, like you know, a bigger win now. That buffer, that little bit of buffer, is starts going away. Exactly. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we'll just take it for what it is. It was Thursday night. I don't know. They were rolling against Southern Utah, against UNLV. Um, Look, and and to to their credit, to Hofstra's credit, they hit some very tough threes. Some contested, well defended three point shots went in for them, and so, oh, they went over fifty percent. When this team, right. I think they shot normally around twenty percent. If I read, it was like nineteen. They don't shoot very well, and so they had an uncharacteristic shooting night, and that happens. And sometimes you can do 
everything in your power and they still might not they might not go your way because they're just shooting unconsciously from three and again rattling them in so yeah the the loss sucks i just like you mentioned it we just hope that it doesn't hurt us in the end um with tournament selection time and, and the committee looking at you know UCLA being on the bubble and then looking at win losses and Hofstra's on there in the early season. Granted, it's still in November, so you know this is still very early in the season, and this team I would expect will look a lot different um, going into even January and February than it does right now in a positive way. So just a blip, but not a warning, not a red flag, I would say. Right. Yep. Agreed. Uh, and then on to other sports, the men, yeah, like you said, it's been a, a bad week for men's sports. Um, first it was good, but men's water polo had beat Penn State number six in the tournament. Then they went on to the semifinals. While we all were stressed about the football game, there was actually the semifinals going on for water polo, and uh, the men dropped in overtime against, unfortunately, Stanford Cardinals. Um Number two, Stanford. They lost in overtime, 16-15. to 15. So, while they gave a valiant effort, they had some great... I mean, we've had some great freshmen on our team. So, again, they should keep rolling. Uh, it wasn't... They didn't get the finish they want. Um, so, their season's done. And on the flip side, women's sports... Uh, They're rolling. Yeah, per tradition. And... <laughs> women's soccer they blew out clemson 5-0 they're going on to the third round they're actually playing wisconsin today 4 p.m um, it's a big time game it's a pretty big game wisconsin is a pretty good program uh i don't know how their team is how well their team is this year stacked or how it match up uh couldn't give you a preview to be honest but i think our team's better because we another <laughs> but you know wisconsin's another very good program like ucla who's good year in year out yeah so it should be a hell of a game. Um, and then, what else? Women's basketball, Japrice, Dean, they were rolling against Northern Colorado. Uh, They're they, destroying people. Destroying. They're just having fun. If you watch the games, it's just, I mean, it's just fast. When it becomes fast break runs, then, you know, the game's over. And they beat Northern Colorado. Um, now they have Yale coming up on Tuesday. That should be a fairly easy match. But Japrice is definitely the real deal. Uh, and our other girls are just good, too. Um, so uh, it's, 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 it's shaping up to be an interesting season. We talked about it uh, before, but it, it our rank is probably not going to go up that much just because of the lack of parity. Um, Zed has mentioned before, but... Uh, it, in that case, if we just stay steady at like eleven ten, I think we can make some damage, or we can you know make some damage in a tournament. But the team's looking good. And what else? Oh, women's volleyball beat Oregon. Um, they beat Oregon in a tough one, and they have Oregon State coming up on. I think they play. Actually, they play today, and then they have Arizona, and then they finish this week with SC for the rivalry game for the last game of the season but uh they're doing much better um than they were earlier in the season so we're want to see them finish strong especially against our rival before a tournament starts yeah i think it's uh 
There's a lot of stuff going on for UCLA. Hopefully we got some some wins, get another championship in at some point and yeah, it'll be always one uh, one another one of those on the in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, we are chasing Stanford, so we got to get that lead back that we gave up a few years ago. So, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Neither, so we won't. Well, I guess we'll end on that note. Women's sports are great. Men's sports are suffering. And uh, we have another game against Cal next week. So, <laughs> Yeah, which we didn't even preview because I don't know if we should. <laughs> um Chase Garbers looks great. They beat Stanford for the first time since 2009. Uh, See their students rush the Stanford field? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, um, you all are the only fans there, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it's so funny. Um, but, yeah, they rushed the farm. But Chase Garbers, I was looking at the highlights. I mean, I, I that game's not a gimme. I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. That's gonna be my only prediction. Uh, I I actually expect us to go four and eight. I don't expect for a game. Oh, next, I fully expect us to lose now. Um, next week, I mean, they may have more fans than us at the stadium, uh, and it it probably would be a record low. There's if you look at uh, I'll I'll post a number someday, but having Cal or Stanford as our last um, game of the season, Thanksgiving weekend, has lost us so much revenue in the Rose Bowl. It's insane, and it's idiotic that we let Notre Dame um, bully our schedule to the point that we don't have SC as our final game every year. It's but one that's... of the stupidest things I've ever seen, and I fucking hate it so much. And next year, it's going to be the same thing because Notre Dame plays SC for the last game of the year. So, again, it's just we've allowed ourselves to be bullied by a Pac-12 conference and and Notre Dame by bigger powers, which is outdated scheduling um, rule. Anyways, to our point, Cal's the last game. We're going to see a record low attendance. It's a symptom of this. Um, But Cal's going to give us a hell of a game because, what, now they've gained bowl eligibility, I believe. Um, Yeah, they're six and five, and they also want to finish seven and five, and don't want to regress because that one would good on Wilcox. Uh, Yeah, I see them winning. I would predict it to be. I'm going to say, uh, what twenty seven? That's that's my prediction. Just don't. We have yeah. We we essentially have absolutely nothing to gain from this game, uh, minus you know hopefully we get some. Some young guys, some reps, and some practice, really. But, like, winning this game means nothing for us at this point. We're not going to be bowl eligible. Um, and so, again, we're not, we just need to... We're not playing for a coach. Like, it just... It is what it is. Right. We like, just maybe our seniors... Healthy. Yeah. Maybe our seniors, but even then, like, how many seniors do we have? Ask Chip Kelly. He wouldn't even know. He'd say, we have no seniors. <laughs> Well, for the seniors, and even so, like, what do the seniors have? They they win this random inconsequential game, and then, great. Yeah, win it for boss, UCLA. Please just go win it for boss. Is he the only senior? <laughs> One I can think of right now. And Kelly. And Kelly, win yeah, it for Josh, boss and Kelly. Yeah. Win it for uh, boss and Kelly. Let Josh get a few hundred yards, and then we'll be good there. But 
yeah, it's not not a whole lot. And then you know we we mentioned this briefly, but we have basketball team going to Maui, and so those should be fun games. Hopefully, we rebound against BYU, and then we will most likely have to take on our biggest t- uh, opponent of the year in Kansas. So if we it'll be BYU, interesting yeah. to see how we fare against that uh, another blue blood. At Blue Blood, that's actually performing like a Blue Blood in the last decade. So, even with san- sanctions upon them, even but... with sanctions. So, um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm excited to watch those games to see how we do, and then hopefully we'll be. You know, I'm not expecting to beat Kansas if we do play them, but you know, hopefully we can show some moxie and and keep up with them for at least you know a half. But yeah, it'll be an interesting Thanksgiving Thanksgiving week of UCLA sports. Hopefully, we can turn it around. The men's at least, and the women can keep on keep it going. Yeah, women keep rolling. Men get better. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Jump on the women's shoulders. Let them carry you. <laughs> Take note. Do what they're doing. Learn from them, please. Is, exactly. Go get coached by. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Just go watch Mick, their Mick, practice. Go get Corey close in there. Exactly. Just coach together. <laughs> yeah. Joint joint coaching staff. All right. All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. Um, hopefully, everyone's recovering after yesterday. Yeah. And we will catch you guys next week. And go Bruins. And go Bruins. <laughs>